from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it... Boy Meets World House! Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. On April 25th, 1990, Robert McClendon saw his biological daughter for the first time in five years, just walking down the street. They stopped and spoke. Later on that same day, the 10-year-old girl was allegedly abducted, blindfolded, driven to an abandoned house, and raped. According to the victim, she was later able to escape from the assailant's car when he had stopped at a convenience store. The following day, the victim's mother noticed that she was acting and walking strangely. When asked, the victim alleged that her father, Robert McClendon, had attacked her. She was taken to the hospital where a rape kit was performed. Semen was not detected, so for now, no DNA testing was done. But her underwear would later become a key piece of evidence. According to a polygraph examiner, the final test of five that were done was ruled to be inconclusive and could have been, quote, a deliberate attempt at deception. With this dubious result and the testimony of the 10-year-old victim, Robert was ultimately convicted. Nearly two decades passed while Robert served 15 to life for the kidnapping and rape of his biological daughter before advances in DNA testing made it possible to develop a male profile from the victim's underwear. The Ohio Innocence Project, the Columbus Dispatch, and eventually the prosecutor's office worked diligently to ascertain the truth. This is Wrongful Conviction. Welcome back to Wrongful Conviction. This episode, there's a lot of things in this case that are typical. The state that it happened in, Ohio, the crime that was committed. But there's a twist in this case that's... uh, You're you're just going to be scratching your head like I am because it's crazy. And to tell this story, we have Jennifer Bergeron, a name you'll recognize. She is a professor of clinical law and the director of operations at the Ohio Innocence Project. And actually, this, Jennifer, this was your first case, right? It sure was. 
So I'm sure this is going to be exciting for you. And of course, the man himself who lived through this nightmare, Robert McClendon. Robert, I had the pleasure of meeting you yes. um, recently. And listen, I'm sorry for what you went through, but I'm so glad that you're here to share your story. Um, thank you. And I'm really glad to be here. So before we even get into the actual crime itself, which is a horrific crime. Yes, sir. What was your life like growing up? Well, I, I want to say it was a, a normal life. I didn't have a traditional mom. I come from a family of alcohol and drug abuse, but my mom tried the best that she, she could, raising three boys. We were kind of like stair-step kids. And me and my mother, we had a lot of disagreements because I've never smoked, drink, or used drugs. And because I would speak up to my mom and ask her, why don't you cook like other moms and things like that? So my, my mother would get on me and she would, she would whoop me. And so I went and left and I would stay with my, live with my aunt Martha, for, who basically raised me from a teenager all the way up. But I was very good in school, made good grades in school. So you still managed to perform well in school, despite everything else. And then I understand you had three daughters by three different mothers, not too long after high school. There was Robin, Nicole, and then your youngest ended up being the victim in this case. But before we get into what happened to her, can you talk a little bit about your kids? Uh, yeah, I was young, and I was in there in Robin and Nicole's life. I didn't really get to know the victim in this case because me and her mom it broke up, and I hadn't seen her since she was five years old up until the time that I saw her when she was 10 years old. The mom kept me away from her, and that's just how it was. But there was a time before the mother ever became pregnant, before your relationship had gone sour, right? Yeah. I had my own apartment, but I was found myself staying over there a lot with her. And she had two kids, two boys. And um, we were seeing each other, and she, you know, she became pregnant. And at some point during that pregnancy, she decided that she didn't want you in your daughter's life. And... At that time, you were already helping to support your other two daughters while working for the Columbus Parks and Recreation Department. Yeah, City of Columbus. But you became a known entity to police with your side hustle, right? Selling drugs to supplement your income. No judgment here. Back then, that's what you did because the money was so good, good and fast. And I felt that because I wasn't using drugs, I was all in. I, and I did very, very well until I got caught. I was put on probation. I think the judge saw that I was not a bad person. But when he gave me that probation, there were certain people back then on the police department in the 80s that did not like me and did not like other guys that did what I did. And they made it very difficult for me and other guys. And there was one officer in particular who played a pivotal role in your case. An officer, Nardella, that was a detective. He was what you call a dirty cop. He would arrest guys and take their money and their drugs, plant drugs, very corrupt. And he took a very special interest in you, eventually arresting you while you were on probation, alleging that he had found drugs in your car. And this was in the lead up to your trial for the crime that we're here to discuss today. But I also want to make a point out that once I was put on probation, I did not indulge in selling drugs anymore. I think that's important. But it wasn't important to Nardella, though. As we so often see, a prior connection to drug dealing can make someone a target for incarceration by any means necessary, even though that past does not make you in any way guilty of another crime, like murder or, in this case, a rape, and especially the rape of your own daughter. 
So let's get to the day of the incident itself. Robert, after the birth of your youngest biological daughter, you had only seen her twice, once at age five, and then, curiously, you saw her earlier in the day that this horrendous rape occurred. And it was April 25th, 1990. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I was going down Hudson Street, going over to a lady friend's house, and this young girl came up to me and said, are you Robert? I think you're my daddy. She said she remembered me from the pictures of her mother had on her mantelpiece. So I said, well, I'll tell your mom. I said, hi. And I asked her how she was doing in school. She said, good. And I said, well, keep doing good in school and tell your mom. I said, hi. Two days later, my attorney called me and told me I needed to turn myself in because I was accused of raping this child. And we don't know the exact machinations behind you being accused of this rape, perhaps because you had seen her. Maybe there were resentments. Maybe her mother had something to do with the blame being placed on you. We're really not sure. But we do know for a fact it was not you. I'll say that again. It was not you. And as we go along here, perhaps motivations will become more clear. Now, make no mistake, this little girl absolutely did suffer a horrible sexual assault that day. According to a statement, it wasn't until the next day, though, that her mother confronted her about how she was acting or walking strangely. And at that point, she told her mother that her biological father, you, Robert, had abducted her from her backyard in Columbus, Ohio, tied a sock over her eyes, and drove her off to some abandoned house somewhere where you allegedly raped her on a couch inside the house, ejaculated on her, and then drove to a convenience store, and she was able to escape while you were allegedly inside this store. Now, the victim was taken to a hospital, and a rape kit was performed, and no semen was identified on her underwear or on vaginal swabs, so no DNA testing was done as a result. But remember, this is 1990, and DNA testing improved over time, and this evidence became relevant again later. However, back in 1990, when asked if she could identify the attacker, the victim said, quote, I think it was my dad, but I may be wrong because my eyes were covered. So at that point, things were not looking good for Robert. Well, yes. I mean, when we first looked at this case, it was very perplexing. I mean, Robert has been very steadfast in his innocence from day one. And, you know, I wanted to believe what he was saying, but I was also kind of perplexed by why would this young girl make something up against her own father? It could have been something manufactured in her own head, maybe completely innocently, or it could have been something that was planted in her head by someone from her family. I don't know. Then things take another tragic turn, right? Which is that you, Robert, were arrested and charged with kidnapping and rape of this child. Yes. Robert, take us back to that awful day when you were arrested, falsely accused, and in fact charged with this horrendous crime. My attorney didn't believe it. I thought it was some type of mistake. I was given a very low bond of $1,000. And, and was released. Wait, a thousand dollar bond? That's like what they give somebody for like riding their bike on the sidewalk. I mean, this seems really way off for this horrible crime that we're discussing here. But we're going to come back to that. Now, let's just say for now that it doesn't seem like your attorney was the only one who didn't believe these allegations. This judge, Judge Johnson, was the same judge that put me on probation for aggravated trafficking during the time when there were a war on drugs. The police department was hated by guts. Okay. Okay. So now you're out awaiting trial and some people in the police department feel some kind of, you know, way about that. And that's when Nardella pulled you over. 
I had a beautiful red Mercedes that was customized. And there's a, a code when you are dealing drugs or selling drugs, you never, ever do it when you're driving your prize car. You don't carry, you don't do anything wrong. Anybody that's selling drugs, when you're driving your show car, you're not working. There's never nothing wrong. There's no drugs. There's no illegal activities, no guns or anything in these cars. Well, that makes sense as a practical matter because in theory they could because they were take, take the car. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. So he arrested me and put drugs in my car because hmm. I was on probation. And he knew that I would go to jail and not be able to get out because I was on probation. So now you're locked up for over a year awaiting trial, unable to fight the case from the outside, ineligible for bail. And now I need to go back to how bail was originally set at $1,000. I mean, if they actually believed you to be the kind of sick bastard that would rape your own 10-year-old daughter, that just, it doesn't add up. It makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. What, what, what was, <laughs> I mean- The prosecutor did not want to take this case because he didn't think he could win. That's why he opted for me to take a polygraph test. And if I passed a polygraph test, would not even go to trial, sir. And the polygraph test, we know that they're not accurate, even if the examiner is a true expert at reading the results, they're still only approximately 70% accurate. So it's a little better than guessing. Right. My attorney gave me a pre-polygraph test. I passed it with flying colors. They gave me four polygraph tests. We now know that the guy that did the polygraph test was corrupt. They were looking for a failed result. And they got what I think was close to it when it came back inconclusive. So a state highway patrol examiner found, which is again, subjective, that your answers, quote unquote, could be a deliberate attempt at deception. That could apply to any polygraph test. You could literally be, <laughs> you could have the best polygraph test in the history of the world, right? The equivalent of getting 800s on your SATs. You could nail it, right? And they could still go, that, that could be, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it could be a deliberate attempt at deception. It looks like he might have tried to say, I mean, that's a ridiculous, I have to laugh because if I don't, I'm going to cry or I'm going to break something, you know? Yes, sir. Oy. Okay, so you've got this polygraph examiner saying that this could be a deliberate attempt at deception, which could be something a corrupt polygraph examiner would testify to. And then you've got the victim saying that it was you, and you decided to go for a bench trial. They chose to go with a bench trial because of the nature of this crime. It was such a horrendous crime, and there was going to be testimony from a 10-year-old girl. And I think it's very hard for any juror to hear the testimony of a 10-year-old who went through this and acquit, even if it's the right thing to do. My attorney said, a jury would think that if you're a drug dealer, that you're a child molester. We opted for a trial with Judge Johnson because he felt that Judge Johnson would follow the law. And that seems like a very rational decision with the circumstances as you described. Every person knows why they were found guilty. There's two causes of why I was found guilty. The testimony of the child and the inconclusive results of the polygraph test that I believe the prosecutor sold to the judge more powerful than what my attorney did. If my attorney dropped the ball any time, it was with he did not convince the judge that inconclusive results of the polygraph test means you did not fail it and you did not pass it. Yeah, 
they gave it to you four times. They probably would have given it to you 40 times. And eventually, just because <laughs> of the fact that, you know, I mean, because they were, you know, if you keep passing, they're going to keep doing it. And because we know how inaccurate these things are, eventually the law of averages says you're going to either fail yeah, one yeah. or be inconclusive or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, yes, sir. this is important because as anyone in our audience could end up on a jury in a criminal trial, Please be aware that these things, well, they're not even allowed to be introduced as evidence. That's how that's how inaccurate these things are. They're not even allowed to be introduced as evidence. Right. But it's not like your lawyer did nothing. I mean, he did present alibi witnesses. I mean, there was a cable guy who would have no agenda. I mean, and then it was your friend Laverne, who you had been with all that day. And I understand that they were very rough with her. But like you said, your lawyer didn't do enough to combat the bogus polygraph evidence. And of course, what can be said? to combat the tearful words of a 10-year-old victim. There's nothing more powerful than a beautiful child on stand that points a finger at you and say that you did something. I had family members in the audience, and they told me that we are your family, we love you. But if we did not know you, and the way that girl pointed that finger at you and said you did it, we would believe it. Take us back to that moment, that awful, awful moment when the judge declared you, incorrectly declared you guilty of this rape and kidnapping and sentenced you to 15 years to life in prison. I remember Judge Johnson, even to this day, he said the testimony of the child was powerful. I believe that you're guilty. And I shook my head. And I said, Judge Johnson, I did not do this. He shook his head and he, and he looked down and he said, son, I think you're guilty. Never forget it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. When I walked into that cell, it was like I was being closed out of the whole world. Like the whole world was, was over. No prison is a nice place. I think you have to be adaptable to it. I adapted to it. I helped uh, young guys, gangbangers, get their GEDs. I'm very proud of that. And I did most of my time at Ross. And in the last year, I was transferred to Chillicothe. And Jennifer, how did Robert's case become the first case that you ever worked on? And how did you end up prevailing against all odds? Yeah, so I came here almost 15 years ago, and there was a project underway already that the Ohio Innocence Project was doing with the Columbus Dispatch newspaper. And the reporters had realized that prisoners across the state of Ohio had been asking for post-conviction DNA testing in Ohio. And the vast, vast majority of times they asked for testing, it was just either summarily denied or in a lot of cases, the judges never even ruled on the applications. So they teamed up with us and reviewed the several hundred cases where individuals had asked for post-conviction DNA testing and had been denied or nothing had happened. And they ended up choosing 30 cases. And Roberts was one of those. There was a whole series of articles in the Columbus Dispatch that came out in 2008 called Test of Convictions. So the Ohio Innocence Project and the Ohio Public Defender did a few of the 30 cases. So I had a handful of those, and Roberts was one of them. We filed for DNA testing in, I think, February of 2008. And much to my surprise, the Franklin County Prosecutor's Office actually agreed to do the testing, which, based on the responses we were getting from others across the state, was shocking. I always theorized that at the time they did it because they were so convinced he was guilty that it would just come back and prove it and that would be fine, (laughs) which is fine with me because then it would show the system worked. I didn't care why they were deciding to agree. I was just glad they were, but that that was my theory. So as a result of that, we ended up entering an agreed order to have the items tested. The rape kit was searched for, but that was long since gone. But fortunately, they had the victim's underwear still in storage at the prosecutor's office. When I filed for DNA testing three times, they said the underwear was missing or they couldn't find them. But when the Ohio Innocent Project and the Columbus Spats got involved, voila, the underwear. That reminds me of the Alan Newton case in New York, where for over right. 20 years, they were denying the existence of, of the evidence. They said it had been lost. And when the Innocence Project got involved, they found it in exactly the place where it was supposed to be, in a vial <laughs> with his name on it. And it's like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, this sounds like some <laughs> banana republic, third world country type of stuff. And this was New York City. So it's a miracle. I mean, you, you know, that 
there was evidence left to test. And it's a travesty that there isn't a national standard for the preservation of this type of evidence that literally turns out to be the difference between dying in prison, quite possibly, and living life. Yeah, that was one of the unfortunate discoveries from 30 cases. There were several where, I mean, I can think of one person in particular where I do believe they're innocent, but all of the evidence was gone. And who's this that? Is for, um, this is for Marion Reynolds. Yes. Um, Someone I know. Yeah. His wasn't the only case, but yeah, there was just a complete lack of any sort of uniform standards anywhere across the state. Fortunately, due to legislation that came into effect, I believe in 2010, that's changed in Ohio by statute. Although, unfortunately, I don't think all of the uh, law enforcement agencies are, are following it at this point, but theoretically, they should be now maintaining evidence in a more uniform way. But fortunately for Robert, at least they had the underwear. It had been looked at way back at the time of trial, and they had determined that there wasn't any semen or sperm on it, which is partially why I thought they figured either they weren't going to get any results, or if they did, it would come back and show Robert. But in any case, they agreed, which was great. And we wanted to do YSTR testing on it because at this time, that was the best way to find any male DNA since we figured most of the DNA would be from the victim who was female. And ultimately, they agreed to that. So we ended up sending it to a private lab here in Fairfield that is certified by the state of Ohio. And DDC, the the private company, in cooperation with the Columbus Dispatch, had agreed to do the testing in all of these cases, all 30 of them, for free. And Roberts happened to be the first one. The results come back. And sure enough, it proves that what Robert had been saying from day one was true. He had nothing to do with this, Jennifer. What was that moment like? You must have been ecstatic. Yeah, I happened to be on vacation at the beach when the results came in. And, you know, I was trying not to think about work, but then I get the information about this and it just blew my mind. I mean, it was amazing. I remember we went out to dinner that night. I was out with my family and I was just kind of like in a daze of like, wow, this this really happened and it's it's not him. And then, you know, this was the first case I had worked. So the first time, you know, I'd received results. So then my head was spinning with, okay, now what do we do? Of course, you know, Robert didn't know. Right. So that's the thing I'm dying to know. So there you are at the yes. beach, you're celebrating, you're probably in, <laughs> almost in a state of shock. You're like, Man, I, was. I, I love my job. And you're like, I can't, <laughs> all the emotions, right? How did you communicate this to Robert? And then I want to get to Robert's reaction. I, I got to know everything. Tell me. Well, because the dispatch was involved, the the two reporters, Jeff Dutton and Mike Wagner, really wanted to be there to document us giving the results to Robert. And I can let him tell the story about meeting these two reporters, but he knew them and they kind of had a, a good relationship going. So they definitely wanted to be there. So they worked it out with the prison. So they had a camera crew there. I mean, I I felt bad for Robert having not told him ahead of time, but I promised uh, the reporters I wouldn't. And also, obviously, we knew it was good news. They have alerted my people that the results were in, but they never said anything about what the results was. My people are going crazy. Well, what is it? So I'm in a hallway and the attorneys are walking by. And no one's looking at me at all. It makes me think about, you know, when the jury, the jury comes in, they say if they don't look at you, you're guilty. So I'm looking at the body language. I'm looking for eye contact. Okay. What? Jennifer walks in. I'm looking at Jennifer. She don't look at me. (laughs) I think a couple of the students walk by. 
I'm looking at them. They don't look at me. Now, I remember a conversation that me and Mike Wagner had because he played basketball. And he said, if I ever got out, that we was going to go to the Y and play basketball together. So then he walks by and I'm looking for some type of reaction from him. He's looking straight on the floor. <laughs> but he says, you ready for that basketball game? And I just say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I knew. <laughs> wow, that's. A... <laughs> that's a... Otherwise, I didn't know what was going on. So they must have came back inconclusive. You know, inconclusive hadn't worked out too well for me. <laughs> yeah, everyone's keeping a poker face and he spills the beat. I guess he couldn't resist. I mean, and then I read that you said, hello, truth. I never, ever raped anyone. Is that an accurate quote? The first words I said after Jennifer gave me the, uh, the results was, hello, truth. I have a card, my business card. is a picture of me receiving my DNA results from Jennifer. Oh my it's God. my favorite picture. So 17, almost 17 years in prison, you were freed. Tell us about that day when you finally came home. When I got out, when I first got out, I went out and I said, hello, truth and hello, freedom. They had a camera crew there and they asked me what I want to eat. And of course I said, wings and Donato's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> they brought stacks of pizza and stacks of wings <laughs> over to uh, my daughter's uh, mom's house. And I was just like, in a daze, it's still surreal. It's so many people are talking to you and everything. And you just realize you just walked out of hell into heaven basically and you're in a zone where you're there but you're not there it was special being around loved ones and friends and people that have been there with me through the journey the ohio innocent project and the columbus dispatch were there for hours all the way up until nighttime it was wonderful one of the best days of my life it is wonderful and it's actually really important that we not leave out the fact that for those 17 years of your wrongful incarceration, no one was looking for the guy that actually did this. And we owe it to ourselves as a society to make the system better and fairer for everyone, you know, to get justice for the victims and justice for the, for the innocent person and to get the real perpetrator off the streets. So Robert, did, did we, did they ever find out who the real perpetrator was in this particular case? Yes. Yes. Ronald Bryan, the prosecutor, the county prosecutor in Columbus, Ohio, who has worked very closely with the Innocent Project, where well, he wanted to do his own DNA test, a follow-up. Of course, I was going crazy, cuckoo for Cocoa Pops, okay? Yeah, this is while you were still in before you got out. While I was still in, mm -hmm. because I thought there was a fix in. I thought there was something going on. They're getting ready to undo this somehow. The Ohio Innocent Project told me that the science, it's a science, Robert's going to come up the same. So the results come back again. It was not me. But this time, sir, they came back with a hit. A known suspect. The 17-year-old son had molested her at the age of 10 years old. They continued to have a consensual relationship while she was a teenager, and then continue to have a consensual relationship into their adult life. Ronald Bryan told me when he presented the evidence to the mom, she did not even seem surprised. 
I asked Ron, can we take this guy to court to prosecute him? He said, Robert, we can't do it because during the consensual relationship, she would never take the stand against him. Now, how wicked is that, guys? I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I don't have any words to say. I, it's going to take me a minute. Sorry, I'm apologizing to the audience. This is the first I learned of this. Yeah. Did they not know this before the DNA proved it? Or was this known to some people in positions of authority at the time of your wrongful conviction? I'm not sure. I, everything that happened to this child, I always empathize, guys. I always empathize with this child because I knew and believed that something happened to this child. And I, I was very empathetic as a result of that. It just was not me. And I was even empathetic until we always thought it might have been a, a family member. But I stopped being empathetic to this child when I found out that they was in a relationship while I was sitting in jail writing all this time knowing that I was in prison. And her mother coerced her into saying all that stuff on the stand. Her mother knew all along. There's a layer of evil in that that is um, really... There, there, there is. Really there is, sir. I'm glad you said that word because that's exactly how I feel, sir. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I've been hearing a, a lot of amazing things that you've been engaged in on behalf of other exonerees and, and the community and would love to hear about that. I've been an advocate for the Ohio Innocent Project since I've been out doing speaking engagements, schools, colleges, universities, getting the word out, talking about you know, what happened to me and what happened to others. Uh, we all go to court when, when some of the other exonerees are out to give support for their families and the other exonerees. There's nothing more powerful than being there for one of your own when they get out to the free world. And then once they're out in the free world, they need help. We all need help. Some of these guys come out with issues, as myself, PTSD and such, financial problems. Uh, me and Dean, we're kind of like the OGs of the Ohio Innocent Project, and you guys should talk to him. His story is powerful, too. The lawyers can't talk about the things that me and Dean can talk to, to other exonerees, as you well know. Me and Dean, we, we're there to talk to these guys. We're on call 24-7 to these guys when they have problems. We're real with it. You know, they tell us everything. They come to us. We have a lady by the name of Donna Marison who, who does a lot of work in regards to our counseling, um, mental health, and things like that. Somebody that we trust who's there for us. It's just giving back. That's a really beautiful thing. And you mentioned Dean. That's Dean Gillespie. And I remember meeting him at the Innocence Network Conference this year. I met him several times before in the past. And it sounds like the work you're doing just keeps the spirit of the conference, you know, the camaraderie alive all year. And just being a witness, being a part of that incredible energy, I wish I could bottle it and share it with people and just take a sip of it whenever I need the inspiration because it's it's almost impossible to describe, but anyone who's been there knows what I'm talking about. And you're doing that every day. So kudos to you. So I also understand that you've been active in getting some much-needed legislation passed, which is incredible. I mean, can you fill us in on what you've been up to? House Bill 77, I was there. We helped do that. I'm going to let Jennifer talk about the four-part bill because she can describe it better than me. Oh, boy, you're putting me on the spot for the four parts. But basically, those the last big overhaul of the Ohio DNA post-conviction statute. And it did things like put into the statute the right to have CODIS upload of any DNA results. And it also it addressed recording of interrogations and preservation of evidence. It was for the first time put in uh, mm -hmm. statewide standards on what evidence and what crimes needs to be kept and for how long so that we could stop mm -hmm. running into the issues of not being able to do testing because it was gone. And photo lineup. Oh, Take yes. Photos. Thank you. And changing the way photo lineups are supposed to be done in Ohio so that it's not the six packs, but is done with a what they call a folder method. So it's done one at a time to try to decrease the amount of um, mistaken identity. Yes. So Robert was very helpful with going around and meeting with a bunch of legislators to just tell them his story firsthand. And I think, you know, hearing from him and others who'd been through similar situations, 
really helped the legislators understand why the legislation was important. And Mark, because of that legislation, Mark has me talking to someone here in New York on your guys in about Social Security, because as you well know, when you're in prison, you don't get to pay in Social Security, retirement or nothing. And when you get out, the compensation that they give you, trust me, after you become a victim of being used by your family, like I did, it's just not enough. Some exonerees end up with nothing. Some exonerees end up being in financial tragedies, financial straits. It's sad because we just don't have the income to to make it. And Social Security would help. I hear that some people, we could probably get it under PTSD because all of us suffer from some forms of PTSD when we get out. But we need powerful people that's going to get together and put their heads and their efforts together to make this happen. You know, this idea has been floating around in the zeitgeist lately, and I feel like it's finally starting to grow some wings. So let's work together. Let's amend the 13th Amendment or make a new amendment to the Constitution that closes the slavery loophole in the 13th Amendment. And by the way, it's on the ballot this November 2022 in five states, Louisiana, Alabama, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont. So again, Louisiana, Alabama, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont, if you live in one of those five states, you have an opportunity to make your voice heard and to help abolish slavery once and for all. And eventually we'll get all 50 states. I mean, you'd think it would be a no-brainer that there would be no slavery anywhere, regardless of your legal status. But who knows, in our current political climate, I, I shudder to think. Anyway, with all of that said... I want to thank both of you for joining us here today and sharing this incredible story and just for being who you are. And thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Jennifer, I want to say thank you again. I don't know if I, how many times I can, I never get tired of saying that. Stop thanking me, but you're welcome. It was a privilege to work with you. Wow. And of course, please support the Ohio Innocence Project. Their work is saving lives to this very day, and they need all of our support. We'll put a link in the bio. And of course, that brings us to closing arguments where I just turn my microphone off, kick back in my chair, and listen for whatever you feel is left to be said. So Jennifer, please go first, and then Robert, close it out for us. Well, I just want to say thank you again for having me on and for putting a spotlight on these stories that are important and need to be shared. And I also want to thank Robert. It's the 14th anniversary of the day I was there with you when you were able to walk out of jail. And it was one of the most memorable days of my life. And I've just enjoyed watching you over these last 14 years and seeing all the good that you've been doing to to pay it forward to all the other men and women who've been in situations similar to you. So thank you for your work with them and also for helping us out over time. Appreciate it. I just want to say that the, the worst day of my life was when I was wrongfully convicted and uh, sentenced to 15 years of life for rape and kidnapping. But the happiest day of my life was when I was free with the help of the Ohio Innocent Project and Columbus Dispatch because it freed me to, to where I'm at now, where I've been able to be there for other people to, as you say, pay it forward with the Ohio Innocent Project. I think it's important that I don't begrudge no one who gets out that want to just go their own way and do their own thing and they'll have people do that. But I feel like I've never had a job since I've been out because I feel like this is my job. 
this this is my job and uh, I'm I'm on board. I'm serious about it, and uh, it means it means the world to me because I know that there's other people in there that should be out, and I'm just doing my part to just help and bring attention to. So I want to thank you all. I want to thank you, Jennifer. I want to thank you, Jason. I want to thank Connor for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Wrongful Conviction. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Jeff Clyburn, and Kevin Wardis, with research by Lila Robinson. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Wrongful Conviction, on Facebook at Wrongful Conviction Podcast, and on Twitter at Wrong Conviction, as well as at Lava for Good on all three platforms. You can also follow me on both TikTok and Instagram at It's Jason Plum. Wrongful Conviction is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number One. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.